When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to a very special and very early episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the amazing Agent Smith. Mr. Wow, you got some love this yeah, morning, this is nice. my man. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, dude? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I am literally shocked at how not tired I am. I am impressed. You're Thank really you. hanging in there. Thank it's, you, man. I mean, it's badass that you can just do this nonstop. I what, appreciate what hour that. are we in? 20? 20, I think, yeah. 20th hour. Oh, wow. So we're we're about to hit 21 hours in. That's so we're impressive. we're in championship rounds now. That's really I went home and went to sleep. So Rightly I, so. I, I rested up. I tried to come here so I can bring some energy to after impact. Oh, man. Love like seeing it. the team. Everyone's here. Dude. I mean, they're hanging in there. It's I, I can tell people are tired, but they're still doing it. Th- so. This is amazing. And there's something magical that happens. It's dark. People are tired. Yep. But they've come together as a team. Everybody's pulled their weight. Everybody's killed it. Had a good time. So there's like a, I don't know, like this. these are those like college bonding moments yeah, that we've managed definitely. to recreate. So this is really, really neat. It's We're been an awesome experience. Sunrise together. So we are. That will be new and special as yes. well. Actually, I think we did it on the uh, launch day too, mm. but it was a smaller team. It's a very, then. very true statement. After Impact, thank you for joining us. This is the show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory. This week's episode was with Eric Barker, uh, the author, best-selling author, author of Barking Up the Wrong Tree, The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Success is Mostly Wrong. And that title really captured your attention yes. on Amazon. So you had to read yes, it. it. Did. Halfway through the book, you told Christopher, we have to have this guy on the show. Yeah. And before you'd finished reading, he was booked. Yeah, which, by the way, mad love to Christopher on that one. That yeah. kid does not play around. Nope. Um, so, yeah, this was one of those books that it was like an audible recommends, you know, oh, if you like that, you may also like this, which is one of the ways that I actually find a lot of the books is um, I'll start with one and then just like follow that trail, add them to my wish list or whatever. And yeah, that title just really grabbed me. And here's why I like it. So I don't want to read things that just confirm my belief system, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer that your skill set, your belief system, it's taking you as far as it's going to take you already. And so you've got to like make changes, you've got to push, you've got to be looking for fresh ideas, new ways to think about something. And so when I see things like that, everything you know about success is mostly wrong. Well, shit, like yeah. I'm a guy out there talking about success all day. So if this guy can really give me a fresh insight, supercharge me, supercharge the ideas, then I'm all for it. And like you said, halfway through the book, I was just like, Jesus, like insight after insight after insight. And already in this 24 hour, I've I've quoted the book like three times. I mean, it's just, it's one of those that 
he really has some super usable insights. He does indeed. And so if people don't know who Eric Barker is, um, he's the author of that book, uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is also the name of his blog, which he's been doing for several years. I think he's written thousands of articles. He has 300,000 subscribers to his blog, and it gets syndicated to Time Magazine, uh, some of the biggest publications, Business Insider. He's written for the New York Times. He's written for Wired. So he is, uh, he's very well-known and well-respected. Mm. So I agree with you that um, it seems like he's just churning out amazing insights, and that's what the episode felt like. It was insight after insight that was not only sort of uh, paradigm shifting, but also actionable. Right. And so almost it was one of those episodes, and there's been a few, I think Jay Salmon is another one, where I'm preparing for After Impact, and I'm like, there's nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like all you need to do is listen to the episode and then apply those to your life mm. and it will be better. Yeah. But Agreed. we can't stop there. We have to go. Deeper. We got to go deeper, this baby. This is after. Got to earn, earn it. We got to unpack the impact of this episode. So I want to start with. We've got to unpack the impact. Unpack the impact. Huh? huh? That's, that's a hashtag right yeah. there. That, that's what happens when you go home and sleep, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. You come up with these nuggets of gold. That's right. <laughs> My man. So in the beginning of the episode, um, he says one of the most dangerous things and the most dangerous to your health is uh, feeling powerless mm. in your job. So I want to ask you, um, have you ever had moments of feeling powerless in your career? That's my first question that I have a follow up. Yeah, so very much so. And this is, this is one of those insights that this company is structured around. So... Uh, the reason that I believe in doing a um, unlimited vacation policy is because I want you guys to be able to decide when you take the time off. And I want people to know I'm not asking for permission to take the time off. I'm communicating so that we can coordinate, right? And I really want people to feel that. And when there's peer pressure among everybody, like to make sure that we're all upholding our end of the bargain, then like you don't have to worry, right? And some people are going to take the piss every now and then, whatever. Sure. But if if like each of us are like holding each other accountable, then amazing things are going to happen. But I know that one of the five primary motivators that people have is autonomy. Like yeah. you, you really need to feel like there's a certain level of control over your own life that you have. And I mean, this is before this insight, which then was even more terrifying to realize literally it makes you more likely to die, yeah. uh, which is, is crazy. But when I read it, I thought I get that. Like that feeling sucks to a degree that is hard to really explain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think a, yes, I have felt that. B, I think it is so critical for um, executives and companies to create an environment where people don't feel like that. And especially when you have the luxury of being small, there's just no excuse for it. Yeah, and what, what do you think the best way to do that is to empower people who are feeling that way? Um, one, uh, to empower somebody who already feels powerless? Yeah. Whoa, now you're asking hard fucking questions. All right, so my nightmare scenario is you have to undo something Mm. so honestly like you want to try to not get in that position but the good news is that i have experience on what not to do uh so here's what not to do to try to lay blanket policies that actively give people freedom because when they feel disempowered 
giving them freedom does not empower them. So they already believe that there's a problem with the system. So giving them that power just makes them go, well, this is another dumb attempt. And there's no like buy-in. It isn't something that, that can just be like bolted on to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And like people don't know what to do with it. So if they have felt disempowered, micromanaged, or feel that there's like a, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for something. And then you give them freedom. They're just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. So, um, that was really, that was a, a sad experiment that I ran at quest where it was like, unfortunately in all of the transitions and all of the rapid growth, there were certainly pockets where it just hadn't clicked. People weren't, they didn't feel that freedom. They didn't have the sense of autonomy. And so I tried this experiment. Second time this has come up today. I tried the experiment of um, 20% time like they do at uh, Google. So Fridays, it's yours. Make sure it's a project that can obviously be advantageous to the company, but like whatever you're feeling, that secret project that you were never able to to get somebody to approve. But then it's like, well, how do you hold them accountable? Because you have to hold them accountable. There has to be metrics and things. So then it was like, well, you're telling me I can do whatever I want, but you're still holding me accountable because we didn't have have that baked in peer pressure of like everybody already feels the autonomy, everybody feels the buy-in and all of that stuff. So now they really want to make sure that we're doing something together as a team. And so um, trying to bolt that on just wasn't effective. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super. And I love the idea of 20% time in theory because I've read about it in other books. Um, and it, I so want it to work in practice but maybe, maybe in another context. That is certainly um, the hope. So really, I think the answer is start from scratch, right? You've got to be able to give people that autonomy right from the jump. And if you're giving them that autonomy, if the company's structured around that, if the company culture echoes that, um, then it really does get baked in. Then the only thing, at least at that point, that you're fighting against is where did they come from before that, right? right. Did they come from a place where they've ever experienced that before? Do they know what to do with it? And are you able to get through the growth phase where they're adapting to that? They're really sort of flexing their muscles where at first, like, they're so not used to that that you see the old behaviors, you know, the asking for permission yeah. instead of just the coordination, Um and then will they respond by really busting ass and getting their work done? And, and that's the hard, like as the leadership, that's the hard part. What if they're not busting their ass? What if they really don't know what to do? Like they've finally been given that freedom, but they don't know how to manage it. Yeah. So, and how do you hold them accountable without making them feel like, oh, this was all just for show. And, and that's really tricky. And that's why I think it has to be a group event. Because if it's coming from me, if I'm like, you're not living up to your standards, people are like, well, fuck. You know, of course, the boss coming yeah. in and saying shit like that. But when everybody is saying, like, wait a second, we have profit participation, we have ownership, like, fucking come on, like, and, and not that, like, I wouldn't want it to be like that. It would, how can I help you? Like, how do we get this done? And like, everybody else is crushing it so much that you just feel like you feel that pressure. Yeah. People are sensitive, they know. Yeah, definitely. Um, Despite there being so many amazing studies and insights that uh, Eric Barker brings up in this episode, there was one that I just couldn't quite wrap my head around, and I wanted to talk to you about it, and that is the um, his idea of givers, takers, and matchers. Mm. Now, in theory, I think that makes total sense, but applying the tit-for-tat scenario to everything, right. I think... Um, may not work. And so I, I know there was a scenario here we experienced in our company where 
um, we had a moment where we could have gone down the tit for tat path and it sounded like a good idea, but it just felt like in <laughs> practice, it just was like, this is not the time to do right. it. And so instead of, um, instead of applying that, I sort of just stayed back, waited to see what happened. And like people were taking, right. They were mm. taking from us and I let them take some more and it over time blossomed into a very, what we think is going to be a very good relationship right. trusting. Um, and so we found compromise. So I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that that works in every context? I, I don't think anything works all the time. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and I was fully prepared to employ a tip for task strategy on that one. And I think that, um, what you need to do is understand what's the level of injustice I'm willing to take before you walk into that negotiation. Sure. And my thing was they'd really taken the piss and you and I had different levels of injustice that we were prepared to deal with. And yeah. they, they had reached my threshold of like, dude, we tried, you've got to admit like we fucking gave them rope. Yeah. This was not like, Oh, it was some like little thing. Like they kept doing it, making promises, breaking promises. And so I'm super glad that we went with your vibe and your read, because I really do think now that it's going to pay out and it wouldn't have if we had slapped the wrist at that point. And so that's where like, having a team of really sharp people that have fine-tuned their intuition and knowing when to listen, right? Yeah. So um, there's going to be times where you just have to deal with a little more injustice, right? Yeah. And then you're able to get something out of it. And so you were thinking long-term. I think that's always the right answer. Like, what could this become? Um, you had a good read on it. You trusted your gut and you went with it. At the same time, if you're always doing that, you're always giving in, then I really do think you become the nice guy that finishes last. And, yeah. and that is very much speaking from experience. Yeah. And I think, too, that one of the benefits of real world scenarios is that you can communicate. And in this computer simulation, it right. was just sort of action and reaction. Yeah. Um, and that's the nice thing is like you can talk things through, you can negotiate, you can find compromises, find common ground. Um, do you think our team is made up? What is the makeup in terms of givers, takers, matchers on our team? Let's really think about that. I kind of have a sense of what our team is made up of, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Our team is... And we should probably define what those are, too, for people who haven't seen the episode. All right, so a giver is somebody that... Think of a mom. Somebody that just gives and gives and gives really without thinking about what their needs are, making sure that their needs are met. A matcher is somebody that goes, okay, like roughly like this is fair. You've given this much. I'm going to give that much. We're going to kind of balance out. Like I like fairness and justice and all of that. And a taker is somebody who takes what they can fucking get. Yeah. And if, if they come across a giver, thank you. And they just take, take, take. Yeah. Um, usually it's not sort of as overt and gross as that. They're, they're unfortunately more subtle than that. So you can't necessarily see them coming a mile off. Um, but that's to really make it binary. And I think we've all encountered people like that. No in question. Place. Yeah. No question. Um, I'll say that we're 70% matchers, 30% givers. Yeah. I don't think we have a single fucking taker. Like yeah. a taker here would get eaten alive. Yeah. Like you, you've walked into the wrong uh, company, my friend. I think that's right on. That's how I was thinking about it as well. Um, there are no takers, just givers and matchers. And I think a lot of people are very much in tune with what's right, what's just. Mm. Like 
um, help us help each other out. I think that's right. a big part of our team. So. All right. Um, one of the things that Eric Barker talks about is he talks a lot about self-narrative. Um, and this I found really surprising. So everyone talks about self-narrative in this space and how important it is and how important it is to have a positive self-narrative. And he, But the stat that he cited about the Navy implementing this into their training for bud school and that they had an 80% increase in was it that high i don't think it was that high i thought he said 80 percent. oh god if i remember right yeah it was like it was either 12 or 22 i think it was significant without being maybe maybe it it wasn't like a crazy number okay i remember thinking significant but but still that's impressive and i've never heard data put behind it Mm. so that just astounded me he talks about how um, you need to start changing your narrative in order to start changing behavior. But then there's also the theory of changing your behavior to change your narrative. So do you change your narrative first, your behavior first, or both? Um, I really, really believe that identity drives behavior. So you can back into it from changing your behavior, but I think that is way more difficult. Mm. So definitively, If somebody were asking my advice, I would say start with narrative. Start with the story you tell yourself about yourself. That's easier to change, first of all, and then it will echo in your desire to be consistent. It will echo through your behavior. Okay, nice. Are we taking, um, in the the spirit of the 24 hours, yeah, we're doing live questions? What do you think? Yeah. Break break our normal format? Let's do it. We usually do on After Impact anyway. Yeah, I guess because I'm not normally the one reading them. It feels so foreign. Um, So in fact- come up on this screen? Yeah. Yeah. Is this one? That's the one. All right. Corey Reed wants to know, how do you shape and define your core beliefs? Wow. Talk about right on the money with what we were just talking about. Uh, So really identifying what you, like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to get to? What kind of person do you want to be? What are the qualities and characteristics that make that up? So Um, like with things like, do you want to be a matcher, a taker or a giver? And then when you identify, like, what are the, what is that value system that you want to build? Do you want to, uh, be a protector of people? Do you want to be somebody who creates other leaders? Like Mm -hmm. all those things that, and it, it is, it is a very big universe of menu items to pull from. And I think people pull them over time. Um, so my core belief system, the 25 bullet points was really about, um, being, effective. So if I know that at a high level, like what I want is to set a goal and to be effective at achieving that goal, what do I have to do to my mind in order to be able to do that? So that was where I started. That was like my absolute highest value was efficiency. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be efficient at getting to these goals. Now that I have to be careful about what I set a goal on, because if I set an ugly goal, I'm going to be deadly efficient in getting to that ugly goal. And I lost years of my life doing that. Right. So using the same process, because none of the, not none, much of the belief system has been in place far longer than the, the switch from chasing money to, um, putting a mission at the core and something of adding value and all of that. So let's say half or even two thirds of that belief system was the same when, and in fact, I learned it while grinding for money. So you have to be very careful about what your top line goal is, but 
that that decision to be efficient at executing against a goal was a choice, right? That that was my decision. Now, because what I believe is the meaning of life, like once you understand my definition of the meaning of life, you understand why my belief system is what my belief system is. So my I believe the meaning of life is to acquire as many skills as you can that have utility, put that utility to service, uh, in put that utility to use in the service of something bigger than you. So that's that notion of being of service, doing something bigger, but really like seeing how much you can ring, how much of your potential you can ring out of yourself um, is why the 25 bullet points are what they are. They're around mindset. They're around expanding your belief system, around acquiring skill set, around not limiting yourself. Um, but if somebody chose something different at the top level, then I think their knock-on belief system would be different. Got it. That's great. Um... Just a reminder, this is After Impact. We are discussing Eric Barker, the latest episode of Impact Theory. This is the show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory. Unpack it in all its glory. Unpack that impact. Unpack the impact. Speaking of glory, he has a really interesting notion about um, leaders and uh, narcissists versus junkies. And I just want to go into it because I think it's fascinating. So he said that um, narcissists make... Uh, great leaders initially, but a long time um, over the long haul, if the company's not doing well, they don't make great leaders mm. because one of the things he says is that they're usually in it for the glory. Whereas you want someone who's a junkie, that's the term he uses, which is essentially mm. someone the way I think he's thinking about it, who is just obsessive about their craft, about what they're trying to build. And they just do that. And that's what that's where they find fulfillment and mm. they'll pursue it until the end. I loved his, um, God, what did he say? If you want a successful entrepreneur, find a junkie. Yeah. And at first I was like, what? And, but that actually really makes sense, right? So all the same obsessive thoughts and patterns and addictive elements to their personality, if you can point that at something empowering, building a business, whatever, whatever skill set it is that you're trying to get, if you can put that same obsession into mm -hmm. it, then you really can do something um, pretty extraordinary. Now, narcissists, narcissists are a fascinating breed because in the beginning they're so alive and they so sparkle and they're mm -hmm. so charismatic they've spent so much time polishing their persona polishing their presentation of who they are that they they really draw people to them now what's interesting they may enamor you for a period of time in the beginning they when they put their spotlight on you you feel incredibly special and then you realize they're doing it so that you'll come and worship, yeah. right? And that you'll come and pay them all that attention that they so crave. And then that, that really narcissistic, like sucking void of a human as they draw you in deeper um, is not fun. Yeah. And it, you begin to realize, oh, I'm alone in this relationship. And that, that really is a bummer, especially because when they capture your imagination in the beginning and you think, whoa, like this is so cool. Like this person is really intriguing. Like I'm really drawn in. And then you find them staring in the river at their own reflection. And it's like, oh yeah, that that's, there's been some disappointment in my life with that. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein 
and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things, and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online, and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Is there a way to spot that? Let's say you're going to work for a new company or even in a manager. Is there a way to spot that? Um, if there is, I'm not yet good at it. Um, my my wife will, my wife has certainly historically been better at identifying that in people mm. before I do. Um, so 
ask Lisa. Okay. <laughs> That's my we'll current strategy. Um, yeah, and I don't know why I, um, I the times that I've encountered that that I didn't see it coming until I like encountered it. Like was way deep in the relationship yeah. and. Um, I don't know. That says something about me, and I'm not entirely sure what I see. What I want to see, I'm not. I'm not sure. That's okay. worth unpacking. Nice. Um, Maybe on another episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Cool. All right. Um, I believe we're gonna do a giveaway at some point. So I just want to mention that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. I think we're giving away the book, Eric Barker's book, "Barking Up the Wrong Tree," which that I seems am very reasonable. Read. I haven't read it yet. Really. No. Wow, you're really gonna like it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, um, he's your kind of dude. Signed copy. Nice. So, even better. Six month Audible and there an Audible is. subscription. Whoa, this is a big giveaway. All right, get excited, folks. It's <laughs> six in the morning Pacific Coast time. Yes. Um, let's talk about Whoop. Yeah. Wish outcome obstacle plan. This is another one of those things where he just breaks it down so mm. clearly, and this is. Um, the way you got into it in the episode was you asked him, how do people find their passions or no, sorry. It started with the conversation around, there are certain things you should quit in life. Yeah. Grit or quit. Yeah. And he said, you can't, you can't just do everything. You have to quit some things in order to Mm. focus your energy on the things that matter. And how do you find the things that matter and the things that you should quit? And he gave this, um, this thing called whoop, which is wish outcome obstacle plan. And that is. Um, what is your wish? What do you most desire? What is the outcome? What does that look like specifically? Um, what are the obstacles in the way from you reaching it? And then what is the plan for you getting there? Um, which I thought was great. It's an awesome breakdown. I feel like you could just easily chart that out mm-hmm. somewhere and have a plan at least or a, a rudimentary one to get started on. How do you understand though the difference? This is what I was trying to figure out the difference between wish and outcome. Yeah, so to be fair, like I think these are are a little closer than I would want them to be, but it goes like this. So a wish is I want to be rich and famous. The outcome is I want to do it as a investment banker. Okay. And so what's the obstacle? I don't know anything about finance. So what's the plan? Oh, I'm going to have to go learn finance either in college or by reading a lot of books. So that's that's how they break it down. Um and then what he's actually quoting somebody else's somebody else's study and and I keep like attributing it to him and I feel really bad uh, for whoever actually came up with this because he introduced me to it. Um, I guess he deserves some credit for that. And he talks about how you want to read your emotion on how you feel when you go through that process. Hmm. So as you move from wish into outcome and get very specific about what it is that you want to do and then into obstacle and think about, okay, what's really going to be hard about this and then plan and really think about how am I going to do that? How much time is it going to take? What am I going to have to do? What am I going to be immersed in? And if, as you do that, you're like, Oh God, then that's something that you should quit. If you're like, I can do this. Like this is actually going to be a lot of fun. Then that's something that you should have the grit and stick it out. And I, I actually really like that because this is one of those where I never really wanted to talk about like, like sometimes you have to quit, but how do you decide? Like yeah. you just need to figure that out. Like it, I never had a good answer for that. Yeah. And so these feel like it, it, it's at least a path, right? And you'll get an emotional reaction, which guaranteed everybody, you're going to get an emotional reaction. So actually I really like it, even though I may have a little beef with the letters, uh, the concept is super strong. 
Can you do a quick whoop on building impact theory? Yeah. So um, what's the wish? I want to pull people out of the matrix. What's the outcome? I need to build a studio. What's the obstacle? <laughs> That's going to be uh, a very long process of getting incredibly good at creative, finding a way to maintain control of the um, the IP, the rights to the IP so that you can merchandise and monetize that. And what's the plan? We're going to start on social media. We're going to build out an audience because the audience is going to be the thing that allows us to go to the studios with some power because we can build something around a comic book, which is serialized, mm -hmm. which allows multi-touch for the audience, for them to fall in love with the characters, engage in a world. Then you go, when you go to sell to somebody that has distribution might, which we don't yet, but need that as a part of the long-term strategy of the building the studio, how do I maintain even 20 or 30% of the merchandising rights. You're going to have to have an army of people that are going to show up to that on day one, whether that's on Netflix, whether that's in the movie theaters, you need to sell them on that. I've got 500,000 people. They're rabid. They're raving about this. They will talk about it. Look how active they are. We do a 24 hour live. People show up. They're rocking with us. They got us to hundred K in record time. Like you're, you're showing that you've got this community who you've brought value to their life and they really want to support you. Sure. So that's the, the whoop. Loved it. Thank you. Very welcome. Um, so speaking of building the next Disney, um, he, uh, Eric Barker cites a study that in looking at happiness in people's lives, they found that relationships are the things that are most connected with meaning in life and happiness. And this really struck me because my theory is that, you know, life is, can't be lived to its fullest without interacting with others and without mm. having relationships. And so like con human connection is really important to me, which is weird because I'm an introvert, mm -hmm. but, uh, it's, that's the only way I think you can truly find joy. So, uh, I want to ask you how important are relationships to your happiness, you personally, and then how do you make them a priority when trying to build the next Disney? I'm so interested by this question and I'm not sure what's really put this on my mind lately. Um, maybe part of it is feeling like I'm living through one of the most beautiful times in my life and that I have the, the wherewithal to recognize it while it's happening, mm. which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe it's something entirely different, but it's really been on my mind lately, friendships and how many friendships I've sacrificed to get where I'm at and that my life has collapsed down to my wife. And, you know, both of us used to have vibrant friendships and slowly but surely everything became about business. And then when you move your business and you spin something out and you start something and all of a sudden, wow, it's literally just the two of you. And so there's no longer the the like false pretense of, well, you, you share proximity to people that all gathered around the business because you were friends. Um, but now it's, it's really just the business. And so how do you, and, and does it matter to reconnect and build those friendships when any time that I go spend time with friends is time away from my wife, which is, you know, always hard to justify spending that time away and so, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, it, I'm intrigued. It's something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about now. And, 
And part of it, you know, part of what put it on my radar is Christopher. He's got such a, he's always like, oh, I'm going out with my friend. Oh, they just invited me to like a safari in Africa. Like, what? Like there's always, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in Germany at that point. Like we're going duck hunting. It's like, what is happening? Like he has all these like super diverse friends with all these different interests that seem to tap into like a different part of his life. And he's had these friends for decades. And so that is one thing that I'd be lying if I said that I mourned. I don't have any sense of loss mm. over the friends that I've lost along the way. Maybe I'm just not wired like that. I'm, I'm enough in love with what I'm trying to build or I'm excited by it and certainly having my wife. I don't know, but it's really, really piqued my interest. Okay. So I'll have to get back to you with like what the final conclusion is, but I think there is something to it. And having... My happiest times are when my family's around. Okay. And so that's also part of the intrigue. Yeah. And I think it's also like how you're defining relationships in your life. I mean, some people are going to have wide friend networks and then mm -hmm. some people are just going to have one or two people. And that may be a significant other. It may be a sibling. It may be a parent that they're very, very close with. But if, but they can just still draw happiness from that. Mm. Um, all right. Happiness, achievement, significance, legacy. These are four things that he talks about that I think these are like the four buckets that you have to put deposits in, he says, in order to find fulfillment in your life. Um, how would you rank those in order of importance for you personally? All right, give them to me again. Happiness. Happiness, achievement, significance, and legacy. I don't think about legacy in the slightest. So you can literally, I put... Zippo in that. I think yeah. when you die, you die. It is like a light switch going off. There is nothing left. I won't have any idea what my legacy is. So the only thing that I'm interested in is, is right now, am I excited by what I'm doing? Do I believe in it? Do I think that it's a reflection of the person that I want to be? So, and I think he actually defines legacy a little bit differently than I'm sort of alluding to here, which is what's going to outlive me. Uh, but that's such the traditional way to define it. I'll leave it as that. Um, happiness, significance, and achievement. Achievement. So if I'm honest, I'm smart enough to know that at the end of the day, if you'll, if you'll let me use the word fulfillment, that fulfillment is the top. It has to be. But I want achievement to be the top. And it is only through the school of hard knocks that I've realized the place fulfillment above the top is just the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. But my every impulse is to pursue achievement, which to me is the expression of potential. Um, I love that. I love that chase. I love trying. So the getting is far less important to me than the willingness to, to sincerely go all out to acquire that skill or that accomplishment or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I'll say that fulfillment, and I know I'm changing the word and being a little cheeky, um, achievement, and then this is this is my fatigue. I just can't hold these three fucking things in my head. What is the third one? Happiness. Happiness. No, no, no. I changed that. So that what's the third one? So that was fulfillment is happiness. Oh, that's I thought you were saying significance is happiness. No. So then significance is after that. So um, okay. fulfillment instead of happiness, and then achievement, and then significance. Awesome. Love it. Uh, we have a giveaway question for the audience. And it's just an open one. Which shows do you regularly <laughs> record? This is not a trivia question. You're what? like, God, what is the answer? <laughs> Which shows do you regularly record on Facebook Live? 
Um, I'm assuming that means watch watch previous lives after the fact. Could that be fatigue as well? We've been up Which for a long shows time. Do you regularly watch on Facebook Live? I like that. This is just a market research question. It's not a trivia question. Can you record on Facebook? Not really, right? Oh, do we record? Oh, we record. Okay. Which shows do we got? What are our Facebook it? This Live is a question. shows? It is a trivia question. I lied. And you've had sleep, man. I know. <laughs> See? I need a lot of sleep, folks. Um, which ones do we regularly record on Facebook Live on a weekly basis? There Put it go. in the comments, and you can win Eric Barker's signed book, which is somewhere around here. Right over here. Boom. Nice. Get it, get it. There it is. Barking That's Up the, the Wrong Tree. Great book. And very good read. Can we confirm judges a six month Audible subscription? We can. It's right here. Yes. That's big time Boom. right there. That's Legit. just knowledge. Legit. Get right. on it. All right. And I think we have a question. The red light went off. Nope. All vicious lies. Just for the giveaway. Um, how much more time do we have on After Impact? Eight minutes. Eight Whoa, minutes. Oh, that happened really yeah, fast. It sure did. Super surprised by that. Um, intensifiers. That's an interesting concept as well. Mm. You guys start talking about um, strengths versus weaknesses. Should you double down on your strengths versus focusing on your weaknesses? And he says the research shows it's more about context. So taking those things that are your signature strengths that you're already good at um, and putting them in the right context. And then also the things that you're bad at, finding a good context for mm. those things, which is a really fascinating idea to me. Again, in theory, it makes a lot of sense. But how do you find the proper context for your strengths? It's hard enough sometimes figuring out what your strengths are. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's a whole separate question. So if you'll let me set that let's aside. Set so let's say that you've identified your strengths. Um, part of this is saying, okay, what can I monetize mm. in the, the universe of that I enjoy? So... If I enjoy, so let's take drama uh, from Young and Reckless. Okay. Loves the universe of skateboarding. And at first he's like, I'm going to go work at a skateboard shop. That's like a minimum wage job. Right. But another way to attack that universe of is clothing for skateboarders to wear. So now you get to be around those kinds of people. Uh, you can do marketing using skateboard imagery. So mm -hmm. all the things. And he was really, uh, he was a videographer for skateboarders, a skateboarder himself. So that like is just a world that makes sense to him. But those were literally two things that he seriously thought he was going to do. Um, he was actually about to take a job in a skateboard shop in the Valley when his cousin oh, yeah. asked him to be uh, his personal assistant, his cousin being Rob Durdick. Yeah. And that, that lands him on Robin Big and then Fantasy Factory. And then um, during Fantasy Factory, he creates Young and Reckless. So that's like that universe of, there's, there's a lot of different ways to say, okay, I have a strength in this. I like doing this. I like filming skateboarders. I'm good at it. I'm good at skating. Um, I understand them. So what are the different ways that that can play out? So it's really, I really want people to think about that for a second, like how dramatically different they are, but they're both universe of that he wanted to be in. So yeah. really think about what are the different ways that I can monetize? So um, for example, I, every time I encounter imagery, just imagery from movies, comic books, whatever, when I go to a comic con, I just want to be there. I want to be around people like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be around the imagery, the drawings, the like cool, like powerful shit. Like I just want to be around it. And so universe of like 
what's a way that I can engage with that? And that's why when I saw the opportunity for the mission to line up. So one thing for people, I need people to understand, like when I was at Quest, I was fully engaged in the mission, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, okay, this is awesome. Like we're gonna be able to really help people um, better their bodies, better their minds, end metabolic disease as a function of helping get their mind in the right place. And I was thinking, I was so passionate about manufacturing because we were touching so many lives, we were creating so many jobs in the inner cities and really creating opportunity for a lot of those people that had really touched my life mm -hmm. and made me want to you know, pull people out of the matrix. And so it wasn't for me internally, it didn't feel like the big switch that from the outside it looked like, right? Because I start calling it something different. Um, and it was also returning to filmmaking. So it was seeing that those things could align, my desire to really help people in a meaningful way mentally. And now you're gonna see that impact theory is gonna really start making a play back into the, the world of health. So I think it's, it's just so all inextricably tied. So when you find something that you really love matches up with something that you can monetize, that's, that's really the juice. And yeah. so, and then on top of that, you really want to talk about putting your strengths to use. I saw that what was happening with social media allowed me to use my verbal skills. And so that, that's the oldest skill set that I've been developing is verbal. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think that that's an important distinction. It's like, not only does it need to be the right context, but it needs to be a context that you're passionate about mm. that actually makes you happy. So you're not thrusting yourself into a situation where, yes, yeah, is good for my strengths. This is intensifying what I'm already good or bad at, and it's the right context for it, but I'm not happy. Right. That would be horrible. Um, and is all too often what people do because they take the first thing that pays the rent, yeah. which there's so much heartbreak in that for me. Definitely. Um, I just want to open it up to the Facebook Live audience. If you have any questions, I believe I have a couple more in here. And I will say, while you're looking for that, if this feed is adding value to your life, please do share it. That's how you guys have helped us get to the 100K in record time. Uh, it would mean a lot if you went to that Facebook share button right now, clicked it out, sent it out, especially if you let people know that we're doing a 24-hour live. We have been doing this since 9 a.m. nonstop yesterday. Uh, so this is our way of giving back, of being of service, of showing you guys how much you mean to us, not just in words, but in actual actions, uh, and being here and rocking it out with you guys for 24 hours. All right. We only have two minutes left. So, uh, two minutes left. I do have one more question, but I also wanted to read a couple of comments from YouTube because people are really responding to this episode. Nice. I think it's going to blow up. Um, this one's from Roberto. He says, I'm not even finished with the video yet, and I already know this has changed my life. I can't wait to share can't wait to share this clip and its content with others. Hashtag trajectory. Like nice. That. This one is from Vicus. Uh, ordered the book after watching five minutes. Nice. Great. Cam R says, without a doubt, makes the top three impact theory interviews. Eric is Word. authentic, genuine, intelligent, and inspiring. The concepts about happiness leading more often to success than vice versa and how many so-called mysteries are actually puzzles are powerful truths. Mm. You're always setting the bar higher and higher. Um, that's actually something that I wanted to ask about. I loved, I loved his, his quote about um, a lot of the things we think are big mysteries in life are actually puzzles that have answers. That whole reframing was awesome. Yeah. And just with seeing how you're diving into um, health and nutrition with the microbiome, and it's like mm. that is a big mystery that yeah. you could easily just go, 
eh, I don't know. No one will ever figure it out or right. it'll take centuries until they figure it out. But you're like, no, this is a problem that you can actually solve. So what's the mindset there? How do you get yourself to start thinking that way? Uh, it's really interesting. And so I'm going to give credit to Jim Abrams, the guy that directed um, Airplane, the movie. And he I taught me this movie. thing called Mrs. Zabotsky's Law. And he was watching his neighbor's house caught on fire and it was burning. The fire department showed up and they couldn't get the, um, the water on the part where it was actually burning. So the house was just like, it was getting worse and worse. And Mrs. Zabotsky comes outside and she's like, guys, if you just go over and stand on the porch, you'll be able to hit it. And they were like, oh, Jesus, you're right. And they went over, stood on the porch, and they put the fire out. And he said, in that moment, he realized, don't ever assume that you can't do somebody's job better than they can. And I thought, that is so powerful. And I had taken Lisa to every doctor on the planet thinking they know better. And they've spent so many years studying this and so many years practicing this. Like, it, if they don't understand it, it's such a big world. And I was like, wait a second. Don't ever assume that you can't do somebody's job better than they can. And I just, I was so disappointed in myself because I had promised her I was going to fix this problem. And I was trying all the easy solutions. I was trying going to the doctors. I was trying to get other people that were supposedly experts. Right. All the rational solutions. Sure. All the ones you'd go to first. Yeah. But they weren't working. Yeah. And I was failing her. And when you don't make excuses, at some point you just have to own, I'm not doing enough. And the answer is, is always more. Yeah. How do you get healthier? do more. How do you get more muscles? Do more. How do you get leaner? Do more. How do you solve this problem? Do more. It's mm -hmm. always more, 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 more. And when you're willing to push that and do it, like, I think people imagine like I'm just sitting like miserable somewhere, like forcing myself to do a bunch of shit I don't want to do. I fucking love this. I love researching it and learning it. And it's about getting that frame of like, I'm going to solve my wife's problem. I'm going to be her hero. I'm going to do incredible. I'm going to know more about this than doctors. Like you can get really amped up about that stuff. And so I actually have a hard time stopping myself reading because in the morning I get so caught up in these fucking books and how much I'm learning and how intriguing it is. So the key is to find a way to leverage something that you love doing in order to get yourself over the hump, the boredom and all of that to push through. Awesome. Love it. I think right, it's time we got to a lot of up. flashing. That red light flashing. is flashing. So we have a winner. Winner, winner. You want to announce it? Sure. Melissa LaCour. Melissa LaCour. Congratulations. Well done. Getting some knowledge dropped on you. So knowledge. much knowledge. Six months of Audible. That's awesome. Cool. That is amazing. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode during our 24-hour live of After Impact with Eric Barker. It was amazing. A big shout out to our boy Agent Smith here for rolling up with some fresh energy and just making magic happen. This was awesome. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.